Well, you don't realize it, do you? You slept through a moment of history this morning. Something happened while you were sleeping that will never happen again in human history. And you were sleeping. Do you realize that? Take a deep breath. Pay attention here. I'll I'll explain it. Uh, This morning at, uh, let's see, three minutes after 2 a.m. and four seconds later, something happened in human history that will never happen again. And it has to do with the time and the date. Now, stay with me. At uh, three minutes after two, it was 02, 03, 04, 05, 06, 07. And you slept through it. So did I. Uh, That's all right. I don't think it was that big a deal, but uh, kind of interesting, isn't it? Kind of fun. Uh, Now you're going to be thinking about that the rest of the day. What did he say? How did that work? Anyhow, don't worry too much about it. Um, We are going through the book of Philippians, and we are calling this series Spring into Joy. And uh, I don't know how your joy tank is right now. Are you full of joy or down on your joy, or how how are you doing? Uh, Just think about it, because today I want to ask you the question, are you joyful? Question mark. Are you full of joy? And again, our emphasis this spring is as we spring into joy that the book of Philippians is about joy, and here is Paul in a difficult situation and yet full of joy, which I think is an expectation for followers of Christ. So we're going to talk about that today. Now, I have challenged you, and I didn't emphasize this much last week, but I've challenged you to read through the book of Philippians at least once a week while we're in this series. And you can do that very easily. You read a chapter a day. And this will help you become very, very familiar with this particular book, Paul's most personal book. How many of you have read through Philippians in the last week or two? Oh, thank you. Daniel, look around. It's uh, lonely, isn't it? How many of you intend to do better? Join me in reading through the book of Philippians. Just, uh, you know, I don't care how you want to do it, but a chapter a day, you'll get through it easily every week, and uh, that'll be good. We've also been memorizing verses. Now, I know you're all doing this. Right? Sure. Let's look at, uh, and I know it gets a little confusing because some of us have memorized one translation. This one's a little different and so forth. But we're going to look at Philippians 1.6. That was one suggested memory verse. And uh, would you read it with me off the screen? I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. I keep wanting to say Christ Jesus there, but it's Jesus Christ. So that's one verse you can memorize. And write it on a post-it note, stick it on your steering wheel, put it somewhere, and just review it several times a day, and you'll, you'll memorize it. Now, verse number two we looked at last week, Philippians 1.21. And remember, the context of this is Paul is saying, I really have no bad options. If they cut my head off, so what? I'm going to go see Jesus. If I get to stay here, I get to be with you. And he said, I have no bad options here in prison. Uh, kind of an interesting perspective. But this is the verse. Let's read it together. For to, to me, living is Christ and dying is gain. For to me, living is Christ and dying is gain. Now, I want to encourage you this morning, if you don't mind, here's where we're going. So if you find this uh, sheet, you can follow along uh, real well this morning. And we're going to be focusing on Philippians chapter 1 and 2, the end of chapter 1 and the first half of chapter 2. This is a section which is traditionally put together, and so we're going to begin in verse 27, and we'll end up in chapter 2, verse 18. There are four paragraphs here. We're going to look at each paragraph. 
At the end of this section, there is a phrase that Paul uses that I want to borrow today uh, just to kind of center us on what we're talking about as we think about being full of joy. And the phrase is this. We'll come to it more uh, later. But he says to the church, he says, you know, I know it's a dark day. It's a difficult time in which you're living. There's some suffering. But, he says, I want you to shine like stars in the sky. Now, you all have been outside at night. In the city, it's hard to see the stars because there's so much light from the city. But when you're away camping or when you're out in the desert or up on the mountain and it gets pitch black, you can really see the stars then, can't you? That's a great time for stargazing. And Paul here uses this expression that he borrows from the book of Daniel, chapter 12, where there, too, it's a difficult time, and God talks about followers of God, people of faith, shining like a star. And so this morning, another question is, how, how shiny are you today? How well are you shining? And I want to challenge us as we go through this section, I want to challenge you to shine like a star. Now, some of you will follow me, some of you won't here, I'm sort of digressing, but Moby, a singer, has a little song, We Are All Made of Stars. I was going to play a video that I found on YouTube, but I said, no, nah, I better not do that at First Baptist. Uh, probably they would do that somewhere else. But uh, this morning, why not shine like a star? Are you shining like a star? And you say, well, Steve, how do we do that? And let's go, let's go to chapter 1, verse 27 and begin. You can shine like a star if you remember who you are. Would you say that with me? Remember who you are. Let's, let's look at a couple verses here, and I'll put them on the screen. We'll, we'll um, read them together. This one is uh, chapter 1 opens. Let's read. To all the saints in Christ Jesus. Who are you? Saints in Christ Jesus. This phrase, in Christ Jesus, comes up over and over. And so that if you're listening to me this morning and you say, Steve, I am a Christ follower. I've accepted Christ. I believe in Christ as my Savior. He's forgiven me. If that's who you are, you're a saint. So remember that. Remember who you are. You are in Christ Jesus. Nobody can take you out of Christ Jesus. So that's one. Let's look at another one. Verse 27. Let's read this. Whatever happens, as citizens of heaven, live in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. What does this say? Who does this say you are? Citizens of heaven. That's another good thing to remember. Who are you? You are a citizen of heaven. Now, we come from various places. We may be citizens of the United States or citizens of someplace else. But you, as a follower of Jesus, are a citizen of heaven. Here's another one that reinforces that. Let's read it. But our citizenship is in heaven. That's good. It repeats the same thing. Later in this chapter 2, you're going to see that we are called children of God. What are some other descriptors for us? What does the Scripture say we are? We're the salt of the earth. We're the church. We're part of the kingdom of God. There are lots of ways to describe who you are. And I think it's going to help you shine if you remember who you are. I was reading somewhere this week, past week or two, um, and this was by a woman who is in Turkey, and she teaches English to people in Turkey. And she also does kind of cultural awareness to other people coming from the United States who are going to teach English there. And she uses this to kind of describe some different world views in Turkey from our own. Now, if I say to you, I'm going to ask you to complete a sentence. I'm going to say a sentence, and then you say what your first response would be. If I said complete the sentence, I am, what's your response? Whew, that's not the one I was looking for. You're messing the sermon up here. I'm a child of God. That's good. 
what else? How did anybody else just say their name? You know, if, when I asked Joyce, I said, complete the sentence, I am. She said, I am Joyce. And if you asked me, I would have said, I am Steve. Now, I am a child of God. That's, a, that's great also. This woman was explaining, most of us in the United States, completing the sentence, I am, would say our name, I am. We're very individualistic. She said, if you ask people in the area of Turkey where I teach to complete the sentence, I am, they always say, I am uh, the daughter of so-and-so, or I am the son of so-and-so. They will name their parents. Or they will say, I am the brother of, or I am the sister of. What's the difference? Is there a difference? It's huge, isn't it? Because they're thinking relationally. They are a community, and they realize, I belong to this family or this community. And so they identify themselves as that. We identify ourselves individualistically. Now, as we go through the letter to the Philippians, Paul is talking to a group of people. And each week we've been talking about Jesus, and we've used a little three-point outline. Your joy is going to depend in many ways on your relationship with Jesus, on your relationship with others, and your relationship with yourself. We've used that as kind of a little outline, J-O-Y. Now, this morning I want to talk to you mostly about your relationship with others. Because it is true, how others relate to us, how we relate to others, is, has a huge impact on our joy, doesn't it? And the first thing we're looking at, if you want to shine like a star, remember who you are. Or maybe it'd be better to say whose you are. You belong to a community called the church. You belong to God. You're a child of God. You're a part of the kingdom of God. You're a part of that great, great host of faithful people who know and love God. As Paul writes to them, and if you want to pull out a Bible in front of you on chapter uh, 1, page 197, Paul writes and he says to them, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. And then he goes on to say a few other things, and he encourages them to stand firm. Don't be, don't be shaky as a Christian. Be strong. Stand firm. And then in verses 29 and 30, he says this, it has been granted to you the privilege not only of believing in Christ, but of suffering for Christ as well. And then Paul talks about his own suffering as well. And he says to them that they are to shine like stars in the midst of this time of suffering for Christ. And as they suffer, they are to remember who they belong to. It's not the Roman government. It's not a Jewish government. It's Christ that they belong to, even as they suffer. I put in your notes this uh, statement from Helen Keller, and certainly she knew a bit about struggle and suffering. And Helen Keller writes, Character cannot be developed in ease and quiet. Only through experiences of trial and suffering can the soul be strengthened, vision cleared, ambition inspired, and success attained. This morning I want to encourage you to remember who you are as you seek to live your life of faith to God. What else? Shine like a star... Before we go there, it is on the darkest night that the the stars shine most brightly. So the more difficulty in your life, really the more opportunity you have to shine brightly. Now, shine brightly also. Uh, Number two, mind your own business. Not, David says, not. Look out for number one. Not. Now, if you want to mind your own business and learn how to do that well, or if you want to look out for number one, I don't know of anybody that would be a better teacher than Donald Trump. 
you might follow his lead, read his books, if that's what you want to do in life. I, would, I can just picture, you know, his show and his big helicopter flying across New York City, and it says Trump on it. Well, that's one way to look out for number one. But this is a tough one, and let me read to you the scripture here. This is the message paraphrase. It's a little different. We'll come back to the version you have in front of you. But follow along as we read. We're in chapter 2 now, the first several verses. And what Paul is, is saying, it's a little tough to swallow, but let's, let's look at this as uh, we go to chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Now, verse 3 here is a real challenge. And I want to look at that for a moment. In the New Revised Standard Version, which we have here in church, uh, he says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility... Now, here's the tough phrase. Regard others as better than yourselves. <laughs> I have read that research indicates most of us, if we're in a room full of people, think we're above average. Now, that's actually impossible, but that is how we think. True, isn't it? I mean, you know, we've got some humility, but not a lot. And we have been taught all our lives to prefer ourselves ahead of others. Paul says, see others as better than yourself. That's a challenge. That is a challenge. And when you try to do that, that's countercultural. That's not what we're taught in society. And we're swimming upstream. That's a load, isn't it? This past Friday, I had a delightful day. I've been looking forward to it for a long time because uh, Dr. Scholler was speaking to the uh, American Baptist Churches of L.A. and Southwest. He was speaking to the ministers. And this had been set up well in advance. And I said, David, I'll be glad to take you down there. Now, for those of you that don't know David Scholler, he's a fuller professor, an esteemed New Testament scholar, and uh, just a wonderful person. And he's living with terminal cancer. So he has a lot of health problems. Well, I said, I'll take you down there. Whenever you're tired, we'll come home. So I was really looking forward to my day with David, and we had a delightful time. He shared his story, really kind of his faith story, and uh, there were questions asked, and it was just a wonderful, wonderful time. Now, it's not hard for me to esteem David as better than myself. I mean, he reads Greek better than I can read English, you know. He, he's, he, so there are, there are people in life that you esteem better than yourself, right? Sure, lots of people. I mean, I think Lance Armstrong can probably ride a bike better than me. You know, you could go on and on with the list. There are lots of people we esteem better than ourselves, but that's really not what Paul's talking about, is it? Not at all. In fact, he's actually saying, I think a paraphrase of this, and if you don't agree, just read the Scriptures and figure it out for yourself, verses 3 and 4. But I think he's actually saying, as you look around this room, you mentally say, everybody here is better than me. Isn't that what he's saying? Now, that's hard, isn't it? That's just not the way we think. And yet, as I said, read it for yourself. You don't need the Greek to understand this. It's just right there in your face. And so I think, though, as you think about shining like a star, you will shine like a star if you learn to prefer and serve others rather than just serving yourself. And that's what Paul's talking about here. Now, You say, well, Steve, where might I begin? Well, for those of us who are married, where might we begin? (laughs) Gentlemen, let me have your attention. 
All married men, would you just raise your hands? Okay, I want to know, yeah. Okay, thank you. You know you're married. That's good. That's a start. Uh, this would be to prefer your wife ahead of yourself. Her interests are first. Could you read the verse that way? Now, if you don't like that verse, you can go to Ephesians 5.25, which says you're to love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. That's another way to say the same thing, I think, right? So is that helpful? I didn't ask if you liked it. But you get the idea here. As we think about shining like a star, we're to be able to put, as the Scripture says, someone else's interests ahead of our own. Now, parents do this all the time with their children, at least when they're young. But Paul's not talking just to husbands and wives or families and and children. He's talking to all of us that we serve one another in this way. It's a great verse, isn't it? Challenging. But it's a great reminder of what Christ has called us to be. And so I suggest you're going to really shine if you can get your head around this idea. It's not mind your own business. It's actually be concerned about other people's business as well. So that's a bit about shining like a star there. Now, uh, let's go on to the next section. Uh, shine like a star, do your own thing, work, work. Let's uh, read this scripture together, and then in your outline, I'm going to ask you to circle the word work. But let's read this together. It's uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses uh, 12, the end of verse 12 and verse 13. Let's read. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now, you see the word work keeps coming up there. You work out your own salvation. God is at work in you. God is enabling or laboring or working to help you make it. Now, what is this not saying? This does not teach that we work our way to heaven. You can't do that. So Paul's not saying that if you work hard enough, you'll get to heaven. Because Paul also had written to the Ephesians, and he said this, You get to heaven through grace. It's a gift. For by grace we are saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So we're not talking about working your way to heaven. Salvation is simply saying yes to the gift. So why is he talking about work? Well, there is going to be a judgment day, right? There's going to be a judgment day. There is going to be a day when God examines our life here on earth. And both in this passage, in verses 12 and 13, he uh, talks about that and talks about taking care of it. We're going to look uh, at that in just a moment as we come to the last paragraph in our section. Last Thursday, uh, several of us went to the prayer breakfast here, the mayor's prayer breakfast here in Pasadena. It was the National Day of Prayer. prayer. And a part of that experience was that they had invited a man named Dr. Henry Ford to preach. I'll put his picture up here. He is uh, not preached to speak. I think he did preach a little. Um, was he preaching, Arnetta? He was preaching. Um, we got to, to listen to him. Dr. Ford is a renowned research surgeon in pediatric surgery. He um, is the head of surgery at Children's Hospital here in Los Angeles, was formerly in Pittsburgh. And he shared his story with us. And the part of that story was, he said, you know, I am who I am because of people that invested in me, challenged me as a boy and a young man, and mentored me. And he told a little bit of his story. And part of that story is coming to the United States from Haiti, uh, landing in New York, not knowing English and growing up there, and then ended up in uh, Harvard Medical School. And he said back in the day when he was at Harvard Medical School, he graduated from Princeton, then went to Harvard. I mean, you get an idea of, of his level of brilliance. 
Uh, he said, when I was at Harvard, black African-Americans never went into surgery. That, you, they just weren't, you just didn't do that. It was impossible. And he said, we all went into internal medicine, and so that's what he was planning to do. And he said, one day, and I wish I remembered the name of the person he spoke of. It was a professor surgeon, I think. But he said, one day I'm standing as a student there at Harvard in front of an elevator waiting to go on the elevator, and this gentleman talking to me said to me, you should be a surgeon, and said some other things. But he said, that moment in front of the elevator there at Harvard waiting to go to my class or wherever he was going, And this encouragement by this renowned person changed my life. And he became a surgeon. And he went on to say, uh, to, he actually began this way. He's actually a member of Metropolitan Baptist Church here in uh, Pasadena. And he began by saying, I uh, want to give honor to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and gave a great testimony. There aren't too many surgeons who are Christians, by the way. And he gave a very clear statement of his faith. Now, why am I mentioning Dr. Ford? Well, I'm mentioning him because he is a person who is working out his salvation with fear and trembling. And he talked about that. His whole journey was that, recognizing God has given me these gifts. I'm using them for the glory of God. And uh, that's working out your salvation. Now, you've been gifted. There isn't a person here today that has no gifts. Does God expect you to use them? Absolutely. And you're going to shine like a star as you figure out what God's created you to do, and you do it. But it's called what? Work. Would you turn to your neighbor and say, are you willing to work? I want to hear it again. Are you willing to work? Shine like a star by working. You're not going to shine if you don't work. I'd kind of like to stay on this one. Maybe we'll come back to this chapter on Labor Day. One more, uh, one more comment about shining like a star. Stop whining. Stop whining. You say, why is he saying that? Well, let's look to uh, chapter 2, verse 14. Um, I need to turn the page here. Chapter 2, verse 14. In fact, uh, why don't we all read this together? Why don't you stand up and read it? If you're able to stand, just uh, I don't want you to fall asleep here. Let's read this with some gusto. Do everything without grumbling and arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Thanks. You can sit down. As you look at that verse, first of all, the first phrase says, Do everything without grumbling and arguing. So it's okay to say, stop whining, right? Stop complaining. Now, why should you do that? Why not be a whiner or a complainer? Well, it's going to dull your shine, for one thing. You're not going to shine brightly if you do. But another thing is, Paul says, uh, don't grumble and argue. Why? What's the so that? So that you can become blameless and pure as children of God. That's another phrase about who you are. Remember who you are. But he said, I want you to stop whining so you can be blameless and pure. Now, at the very outset, in chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, Paul is praying for the church, and he says, I pray that your love may grow more and more so you know how to discern what is best in your life. In other words, Paul's praying that you make the best choice. Why? So you can be blameless and pure. Now, that's another high standard, isn't it? Blameless and pure. 
Wow. I mean, that, I'm just saying what it says. And so we are to shine like stars in heaven, blameless and pure, not accused by anyone, as we live for Jesus Christ. So he encourages us to stop whining. Speaking of surgeons, I don't know why I'm on surgeons today, but there was a, a heart surgeon, very well-renowned, and, uh, of course, he could afford a Harley-Davidson motorcycle. And he was in the shop with his Harley, and uh, one of the mechanics there saw him come in, knew who he was, and he said, Hey, Doc, can I uh, ask you a question? And the doctor said, Sure, come on over. So the doctor walked over, and the mechanic was working on his workbench. He had had a motor apart and uh, had been repairing it. And he said, See this motor, Doc? He said, I know how to take it apart, and uh, I've just put new valves in it. I'm going to put the head back on it. I'm going to put put it back together. It's going to run like brand new. It's going to be great. He said, yeah. He said, well, Doc, how come I make so little money and you make so much money? That's just not right. I mean, we're doing the same thing. We're just replacing valves. And the doctor smiled and uh, leaned over, put his arm around the mechanic, and he said, my friend, try to do it while the motor's running. (laughs) Well, um, stop whining. Just don't complain. Um... One last comment. I don't know if you saw the uh, Star News this week, but there's a picture, and I couldn't get a picture off of the Internet, but uh, there's a picture of this pastor in the paper. His name is uh, Will Bowen, and Will Bowen is a pastor in Kansas City, Missouri. And last summer he was preaching, and he decided he was preaching on complaining. And he said, how am I going to help people not complain? And he had actually been reading some books on holiness and purity, and in the book there was the challenge, don't complain for 21 days. And he was thinking about, how can I teach this to my church? So he had made up uh, about 250 bracelets, you know, the Lance Armstrong yellow bracelets, those kind of bracelets. These were purple. And on it it says, don't complain, or something like that. And so he gave them out in church that morning, and he said, I want you to put this bracelet on and wear it for 21 days, and the bracelet will remind you not to complain. If you do complain, then put it on the other arm and start all over. But the goal is to go 21 days without complaining. And so the news reporter that was interviewing him from NBC said to Pastor Will, well, Pastor Will, how long did you wear the bracelet? He said, I had to wear it for three and a half months. <laughs> because he just, you know, he'd get down the road. And then one of the reporters was trying to, for NBC, they put a camera on him. and They were filming him at home and everywhere else. Uh, quite a challenge. But that is what Paul says that we are to do. If we're going to shine like stars in heaven, we're going to have to get rid of the complaint department in our lives. And uh, I want to encourage you in that way. So this morning, uh, as we wrap this up, how shiny are you? How full of joy are you? Because the whole scripture here is encouraging us to be people who shine like stars in heaven and are full of joy. How can we do that? Well, let's, let's review. First of all, we need to remember who we are. Would you say that with me? Remember who we are. We're saints, we're children of God, we're the church, we're God's people. Secondly, mind your own business, not serve somebody. Just day by day, figure out who is it I can serve. Serve somebody. Bob Dylan said the same. Uh, Next, what else are we going to do? Work. It's called work. Yeah. And then lastly, we're going to stop whining and uh, shine like stars in heaven. I'd like for you to stand up, and uh, Ted, if you'd come and lead us in this prayer as we pray for communion, I'd like for the congregation, uh, or Dave, somebody, whoever can do that, let's just lead this prayer. We'll put it up. Stand if you would, and uh, let's pray this together as a way to seal our hearts.
Let's pray. Lord, we pray that our love may grow more and more so that we have insight and know what is best. Whatever happens to us, help us to remember we are citizens of heaven, your children, deeply loved by you. God, thank you for Jesus and his example of love and obedience, even to death on a cross. God, forgive us for our self-centered ways. Would you please help us to be humble and to care for others? Would you help us to be so secure in you that we can value others better than ourselves? Lord, we are going to stop whining and complaining. We are going to work out our salvation by living pure and blameless lives. Yes, Lord, we want to shine like stars, full of your light, love, and joy. Thank you and hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated.